I often describe you, uh, and this is no joke, as the British Julie Kosmenko. Now, I don't know if that reference means anything to you, um, but one of my favorite beauty photographers in the world over in LA. Um, absolutely amazing work. Before we get started on how you got doing the work that you're doing currently, how did you start with photography? Well, I, I started photography around about 2011. I was, I was always interested in photography and graphic design. I was designing for rappers in London. I was designing their CD covers. Yep. And I got asked to retouch one image that was going on a CD cover. And as I was retouching it, I began getting interested in, t- in retouching. That's how I got into photography was I started retouching for other people. And mm-hmm. as I was going, I was retouching more and more. And I was starting to retouch things that I didn't want to work on. And then I started researching on like how to take my own images at that time. And I think it was around about 2012, I bought my first camera, which was a Pentax K5, I think it was. And then I literally just jumped straight into the deep end. I had five models in a studio that I rented. Uh, I had a makeup artist. And then that's when I fell in love with creating pictures. It was that day that I just wanted to create five looks and retouch them for myself. And then that's just where it went went from then. I think beauty's got to be one of the most intensive uh, and sort of detail-orientated uh, forms of people photography. What was it that drew you towards beauty particularly? Faces. I'm obsessed with faces, features and emotion. And it is the sort of the makeup side of things. Do you have to learn the terminology? Do you have to learn the lingo um, to be able to communicate with your team um, what you're looking for with that? Yeah, I found that I have, over the years, I've become accustomed to their lingo and what I want. So I will ask them, but if I'm not making it clear, then that's where my relationship with a couple of my makeup artists that I've been working with now for the past, I'd say, six years, understand what where I'm coming from. As far as building up a team, how long did it take you to find people that you really trusted and that you felt like their work was at the level you wanted to to have yours reach? So the main makeup artist that really pushed me out of my comfort zone was Lucy that I created the watercolour series with. She found me when I was um, on Model Mayhem. I was just shooting for myself at that time and creating fashion images more than beauty. And she invited me to her studios that she used to have. And she she gave me a concept that she wanted to create create and we created that together. And she because she's been in the industry for over 20 years, she really pushed my creativity in beauty to heights that I'd never known that I'd have. I mean, the watercolor series is probably one of my favorites. the The way that you guys come up with your concepts is it a, is it a case of you coming up with something? Um, maybe in that case, not. But just generally speaking, is it a case of you coming up with an idea and bringing it to the team, or does everyone come in with their own ideas? How how does it all work out? We generally just like chat on on Instagram or Facebook about like if I've got an idea, I'll send uh, reference images and I'm back and forth. But then we'll also have a like if I ever got an idea, I'll just describe it to them. And like then they 
their thought processes on like the colors and stuff like that. What's your pool of inspiration for these concepts? Is it from movies? Is it from other beauty work? Where does where does where does the um, where does the inspiration come from? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, if I'm watching a movie, if I if I like a certain lighting setup, or I like to go out, and this may sound weird, but when I'm walking around, say likes of Boots or Superdrug. I'm looking at other people's photography work that's hanging up on the on the walls and on mm-hmm. packaging. Yeah. So that's where mainly I get my my ideas from is because that's the market I want to be in at the minute. From your first beauty shoot, how long was it until you felt like you produced your first professional quality image? Like how many how many goes at this did you have before you sort of got close to the work that you're producing now because the work you're currently producing is phenomenal, but it feels like it would be such a journey to get to that standard. How long does it take you? So the first time I felt like that was last year. Oh, really? I've never ever, yes, I've never ever been happy with me with, with my work. I've always wanted to be better. I'm obsessed with being better. So if I have a shoot after a successful shoot and it's bad, I'm constantly thinking about how I can get better from that last time. So I'm I'm one of the most critical photographers of themselves. So I won't publish uh, photographs or a set that I don't feel I'm confident in. Is it the, the sort of self-critical nature that you think is driving you forwards in terms of, uh, you know, I've got to be honest with you, the standards of your work is crazy. So is that, Thank you. You know, is that down to you being sort of having a, um, I don't want to use this word, but I use it for myself, like a self-hatred. So you always hate your last piece of work. You always want to be doing better. Is that what's driving you? Yeah, 100%. That I look at other people's work and especially like Lindsay Adler, I'm striving for that quality and beyond. What are you doing with your downtime then? So between your shoots, how are you sort of feeding that desire to get better? Are you are you studying? Are you practicing? What's what's happening between shoots that's making you better? It's kind of hard for me at the minute because this being a ph- photographer is on kind of on the back burner, as I'm only doing it in my spare time at the minute because of my situation. I'm caring for my dad who's had a massive stroke and he's paralyzed. So that's taken my free time up. So whenever um, I've got a break from that, then that's when I will shoot. Do you find a lot of uh, helpful information on YouTube or in magazines, or is it a case of just trial and error? I learned from YouTube. Mm -hmm. I learned how to use the camera from YouTube and reading on forums and then just taking the camera and going outside and shooting flowers, landscapes. That's how I learned to use the camera. And then lighting also is I studied images that from photographers that that I used to like back then and I deconstruct it and then I write down the lighting setup that I think it is and then once I've got the chance to go and shoot it I'd practice that lighting setup until it was near perfect that I had the reference image on. Okay so like reverse engineering the image into what you you think they did to yeah. to to create it and then you try and fine-tune from there. Yes yeah, sort of. What about the retouching? Because the retouching side of things with beauty is, is to me the most fascinating. It's something that I don't think I've got the IQ or the patience to ever even remotely do something that would be worth um, anyone's attention. How long 
does it take to, I mean, like there's so many questions I want to ask on this, but how long does it really take for you to feel competent with, with beauty retouching and how long does it take for you to feel confident with it? It took me around four years to feel confident on retouching other people's images and retouching for myself. It's not something that you, you, you can rush because of the fine details that you need to, to remove or bring back in, into an image. I mean, I've seen a lot of your Q and A's on Instagram where people have asked, uh, I, I think if I, you know, if I kind of just go straight for the throat on this, I've seen a lot of people asking you about frequency separation and, um, you've commonly said that it's just not something that you use. Um, can I just get your opinions on frequency separation? And, um, if I'm the first one to sort of break the glass on this, it's an incredibly overused technique and usually fairly poorly used. Yeah. Um, but, but talk to me about why you don't use frequency separation and what you're doing instead. Frequency separation for me, I find it fairly destructive. If I was to start editing Im an image with frequency separation and then I'd work on the texture layer and then if a client said, oh, I want that left in, say if I removed a beauty mark or whatnot, then I won't be able to go back on that. I'd have to start the image over again. I see. Okay. Also, when you when you paint on the high layer, the color layer, it also creates a, a false texture and a look that can only be created with frequency separation. That when you print, it looks like it there's been a face tune slapped on top of it. Right. So all you're doing with the the high layer is you're just smoothing out color. Instead of changing it, you're just pushing the color into each other. So that's what creates this. I don't know the the correct name for it, but the only way I can describe it is it, it looks doll-like. Right. So what are you doing instead of frequency separation? Where other people are, are sort of leaning heavily on frequency separation? What is the correct way to be going about things? So you want to create a blank layer or create a stamp layer. I'm on PC. So if you press control and J, you just copy the background layer. Yep. And then you can use your clone stamp or spot healing. And then that's when you, that's your cleanups. Um, that's your cleanup process. Then that's where you're keeping the texture in place that you just, you're just taking one part of the image and just pasting it over the other. So if you've done that on uh, an empty layer, you if you didn't like the outcome, you can just erase that and then right. go over it again. And then the second stage is dodging and burning with curves. That's that's just painting with light, basically. Is you're taking, say, if you've got like a dark spot on the model's face and you want rid of that instead of pushing the color or smoothing the color, you're just taking the the dodge. Okay, well, the high cave and just painting with light over that till that's gone. So the combination of those two essentially is just like a manual version yeah. of what's wrong with frequency separation. It is, yeah. Okay. But that, that, that can also create the same effect as frequency separation if you go and do it micro. You can also create a, a filtered look with dodging and burning if you do too much. Right. So it's a no, it's a, you've got to know when enough's enough. And how long does it take you to kind of find that balance where it was like you weren't going too far, and but you were going far enough? How long, how, you know, how long does it take you to kind of figure that out? 
I still I still push the images too far at times. Then, but that's if I'm working on an image over two hours, I'm. I'm so OCD with the images. I'm finding problems that aren't even there. I'm seeing problems and then I'm fixing them and then I'll save it and then go away for five, 10 minutes, come back. And then I'm undoing stuff as well as I'm going. So I'm still learning, retouching as I'm going. I feel like your um your your style of photography and the sort of the genre that you're in is really open to uh, a lot of people plagiarizing ideas firstly and yeah. also to brands or um, agencies and so on stealing images you know just screen grabbing them online or whatever yeah. um, is that is that am i right in thinking that that's a big problem in those areas it is yeah especially especially in asia i've got one image one particular image that's a gel look where it's got a blue accent under the chin and red background mm-hmm. And that's been plagiarized so many times by so many different makeup companies in Asia. They've it's nail polish, there's lip gloss, there's earrings, you name it. It's been taken and flipped and put on someone's website. And because it's a black it's a black hole in Asia that you're if you physically can't do nothing. So your image yeah. is just there making other people's other businesses money while you can't do nothing because our laws are so different to the laws in Asia. Yeah, no, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. Um probably to try and spin this into more of a positive thing. Are there are there brands that you're looking to work for? Um are there like sort of um dream brands that you'd like to work for in terms of makeup or or things like that? Yeah, most definitely. Like likes of Boots, Superdrug, them, them, them types of brands that I'm looking at. That's where I can see myself in the future, and that's what I'm aiming for. I mean, to be honest with you, something that I find quite fascinating just from this small talk is that um, you seem to be. Um, much more humble than I would expect, given your body of work. Your your um, portfolio terrifies me. Um, as someone that also photographs people, you're so far beyond in terms of skill level and just the image collection, your your identity as a photographer, but you're very humble about it. Um, why are you so humble? Why aren't you... I mean, if I had your portfolio, I'd probably be a dick to people, so... <laughs> no, honestly, I, ju- I just see my... I just see myself not as a normal person. I'm just a normal lad from Liverpool that's just learned himself photography and just loves photographing people. And also it's my circumstances as well. I know I can't do this full-time at the minute because I am a full-time carer and I've got three children as well. So it, it's just one of them. It's Also, it's... I'm looking at my work and I'm saying I can do better than that. So I don't feel like I'm on the level of other people. And when other photographers like ask for my opinion on their work, it's like, but why are you asking me? Because I don't feel like I'm that good to be given someone else advice. Honestly, that's madness. Your your work is incredible. Um, Thank you. But... Let's um let's let's sort of stick to me not kissing your ass for a couple of minutes at least. <laughs> um, you said that you're a father. How, how yeah. has that changed the way that you sort of view your work or your time that you spend editing? Are you editing less images from shoots? Are you shooting less as a result? 
I'm shooting more, but I'm editing less because I've got to split my time up now between the three children and looking after my dad as well. So yeah, when I do get like the, the time of a night, I will retouch one or two, depending on how long it does take me. But at the minute, if it's my personal project, it will take me a good few weeks just to get out. But if, like I said, if I'm getting paid for something, it'll be done. I'd have to find the time there and then to do it. I mean, I'm getting the sense that a lot of your, um, a lot of the way that you work is down to just competing with yourself and competing with who you were yeah. as a photographer the last time you picked up a camera. With that in mind, how highly do you rate the importance of things like personal projects and sort of that creativity to try new ideas out and see where they take you? If if you're not creating for yourself, then you're doing something wrong. I feel you need to be creating for yourself to make yourself happy and to push yourself if you're just creating other people's ideas, then you'll become stuck in a box and you'll become burnt out quicker. See, I, I'm I'm a creative person. I've always been creative as a child. Is I'll always be doing something creative, making something, drawing something, or anything along them lines. Like like of now, because I can't photograph and I can't go to the studio, I'm learning video. Right. So I can incorporate I can incorporate that into my workflow as well, and use use video as part of my career as well, like in in beauty photography. So that's what I'm just trying to figure out now as well. So that's also keeping me creative because I'm learning that aspect, and I've got so many ideas that I want to implement that too. Um, so I go to America a few times a year um, as a rule. I wish I could live there. Um, and whenever I go to America, I don't live in London at the moment, but whenever anyone asks me where I live, I always just say London because it's the only place yeah. Americans know of that's in England. Um, Liverpool is obviously not a small city, but what is it like photographically? Is there a good supply of models in the area? Is there is there a good photographic community, lots of studios and whatnot? There's quite a few studios, but there's not a quite a few. There's not... Not many models about. Um, they mainly come from Manchester and the surrounding areas, especially with the three main model agencies that are Manchester-based. Mm-hmm. So Liverpool is not, it's not a hub for models, but it's starting to come up in terms of creatives. It's always been full of creatives, Liverpool. S- uh, singers, bands, there's artists, there's now I'm finding a lot more beauty and um, fashion photographers in Liverpool, especially because of the university has got a, a photography course now that's got a full-fledged studio. Um, you mentioned models there. One thing I want to ask you, because you never seem to have a problem finding amazing models, Um your work obviously has so many fantastic faces. What is it that kind of, what What are the qualities of a great beauty model? What does a beauty model have to have to be considered great, in your opinion? They've got to have a unique look. There's a difference between being a, a beautiful model and a beauty model. It's the features, like the shape of the face, shape of the eyes, shape of the lips, them type of things. It's hard to describe, but I know that Nat- Natalia Tafaral, mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce her name, created a PDF on beautiful models versus beauty models, and you can see the difference between them. Oh, okay. So for me, I look for unique looking models that got, it may sound weird, but 
that they look alien-like. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% on board with you. I've always said that there are two types of models. There are beautiful people and aliens. So yeah. you've absolutely described yeah. what I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm always looking for alien-looking models to shoot. And I found that in London, there's so many. But up here, because we're mainly like, e-com-based up in the Northwest, is mm-hmm. it's it's getting kind of hard to find the models that I want to be shooting at the minute because mainly I've shot most of them. Right. Uh, so generally speaking, like portfolios um, are a, a variety of different creative ideas, but there'll be one through line or two through lines that make it the one person's work. Um, whether that be like, say, the camera equipment that's being used or particular lighting setups or whatever. But generally speaking, everyone kind of has a, I think every photographer has a thing that makes them themselves. So no matter what they photograph, if they were to shoot completely different genres, it would still look like it was the same person taking it. What is it that makes up your unique look? Because you've obviously got a lot of creative projects within there the picasso project the watercolor project and so on but it's everything still looks like your image what is it that makes your images look like your images i think it's the lighting and the way i like to color treat the images as well is i like i like to crush the blacks and bring up the highlights so much and have saturated colors is I've always had an eye for bright coloured images. I'll always be drawn to bright coloured images. I've tried to, in the past, I've tried to come away from that and try to create a muted skin tone. And I've Mm -hmm. always fell back into that warm, contrasty type of feel without me noticing it. So I think that's where my style comes from, is being drawn to them types of colours. Is there a particular way that you go about shooting in terms of the energy on the shoot because obviously a beauty shoot is quite a confined movement for a model and it's it's i think from what i've seen it's quite a slow process in terms of obviously a long time to make sure the makeup's okay and then there's lots of reviewing of shots what's the energy like on the shoot what kind of music are you listening to what's how you know how long is it taking per set the per shoot it rounds about five to six hours if we're doing over three looks anything a three looks on and under, it's mainly about three hours. So, but I like to just put a playlist on Spotify, mainly of the like the last decade of hits, and just have that on in the background. And it's just in the studio, it's just nice and relaxed because I found if I'm tense, the makeup artist tense, she's not creating her best work, and I'm also not getting the best out of the model. Is she's look she looks scared in the first few. Fr- few frames and then that doesn't go well for the rest of the shoot because the model's tense and I'm tense. So I found if I'm more laid back and I'm just chatting to them, we're striking up conversations, that relaxes the model as well. So then that's when you're going to get the best out of it because she's like, she's starting to open up to us. So then that's when we start to get to see the real personality of the model. Yeah. As far as the actual, uh, the ability of a beauty model, the the work that they have to do, I think there's a misunderstanding with anything to do with like close up work, headshots, anything like that, that it's easy, but it's obviously quite hard to maintain expression and very small movements in in expression and just in your, in your body shape are actually huge in the tighter the frame goes. Um, Is it sometimes, is it hard to find models that really know what they're doing when it comes to that close up stuff? New models mainly did that they don't know how what's their best angle. Right. I found with with models that are, are in the field constantly 
work them. They know their best angles. They know where the lighting is. They know like the angle of my camera with new models, new faces. I because I do t- intend to get sent new faces from the agencies. Is I'll be talking to them and showing them where my lighting setup is, how the how it's lighting because I I do have a tether station, so they can see directly what's coming through. One thing I don't know anything about, but I'd love to hear you talk about is macro beauty. I absolutely love macro beauty. I think it's such fascinating imagery. It's one of the few forms of people photography, I think, where it really stops you when you're kind of just, you know, flicking through Instagram, you're just thumbing through, thumbing through. When you get a really solid, really pretty macro beauty image, it stops you and you do really pay attention to it. Yeah. How hard are they to create in terms of lighting and how hard are they to set up in terms of positioning the person and getting your shooting angles right? Is it is it more of a difficult skill than just standard sort of uh, further back beauty? It depends. It depends on what you're creating. Um, the lighting setup, it can be very simple. You can just have one light and a reflector and create something so, so unique just out of that one light and a reflector. But you would, to get the perfect... Say if I was shooting lips, you would have to have a long, long range, well, a longer focal range. Let me just rephrase that, sorry. A longer lens. So I shoot with a 150mm macro lens on a full frame. I was shooting with a 105 and I found myself blocking the light if I was to foot if I was to fill the frame. So that's when I decided to get a longer focal length. Well, while we're in the ballpark, let's let's talk about your camera gear. I'd love to hear about your camera gear setup. A DA50. Oh, okay. Is it the uh, the high megapixels perfect for what you need in terms of... Um, I know you print your images for your studio yeah. quite often. Would that would that be right? Yeah. I love printing. There's a lot of people that just don't print their work at all. It's nice to see someone that does. Yeah, like I absolutely adore printing. It's, I'm actually in the process of redoing my photo wall in the studio with new images. If you, if you don't print your work, then you won't you won't see the the true aspect of what you're creating. No, absolutely. You you do a lot of work for YouTube and you said that you were looking at kind of incorporating some video into what you do. Um, yeah. What is the draw towards YouTube? Is it an educational thing or is it just kind of a BTS factor that you like? It's just a behind the scenes factor that I like. I like showing the process of, of me creating. When I was learning photography back then, there wasn't a lot of videos showing the creative process and there wasn't a lot of videos like explaining how to create these images. It was just like a few a few videos stitched together with a bit of music mm. and called a BTS and then that was it. It's like you, you didn't come away with nothing no knowledge from that so that's when that's where i like to to record the process and then explain on how i've created it and what i'm doing well i think you're quite different from a lot of beauty photographers in that sense because beauty seems to be a bit of a gatekeeper's um uh sort of technical i think i think that the sort of learning the aspects of beauty that really make you stand out feels like it has a real barrier of people kind of keeping certain secrets and the other side of it obviously is that there are just lazy people that are taking shortcuts like using crappy plugins for skin work and whatnot um but it does feel like beauty is a very hard um photographic subject to learn a great deal about particularly easily yeah when it comes to your influences as a photographer, whose work kind of got you excited and fired up to get going and who do you really like at the moment? 
when I first started researching photography, the main one that stood out to me was Joel Grimes and Lin- Lindsay yep. Adler. They were the two main ones that, that really stood out to me. But now I don't look at a particular photographer's work. I look at a collective. Um, I'm inspired by all kinds on Instagram. It doesn't even have to be beauty photography. It can be an editorial piece, fashion piece, or just a makeup artist that I'm just scrolling on Instagram and I see a particular look. That's that's what will get me excited. And with your downtime at the moment, obviously I know you've got uh, some personal things to deal with and you can't get to the studio. Um, yeah. With, the, with regards to any ideas that you have right now, um, do you use Pinterest boards to kind of tally up what you've got in your head or do you do you jot stuff down in a notepad how do you how do you keep all this stuff sort of tracked and remembered i'm i'm a head planner so if i see something i'll i'll keep that in mind but i do use pin interest and i save images on instagram or i'll screenshot them and then i will make a mood board on my ipad and then i will send them to my makeup artist whoever's i'm shooting with at that time and they also do the same thing. So we do bounce ideas back back and forth between that. And then when we get to the studio is I'll have a general idea on what we want to do. And then I just let the makeup artists do their own thing. Because if I've put a particular image onto the makeup artist and say, I want to create that, I'm not getting the best out of the makeup artist either. I'm not getting their best work. So... I just say, this is the general direction that I want to go in. Go and do your your thing, what you're best at. Okay, so the last question I want to ask you before we start to wrap up, it's a bit of a broad one, so I do apologise, but generally speaking, do you find the online photographic community to be particularly supportive and helpful, or do you find them to be more problematic? There's a group of us on online on Facebook and Instagram that we're all supportive of each other. And without naming names, there is a few select photographers out there that are mainly ego driven. Mm -hmm. But I've surrounded myself with photographers that I'm inspired by, but we can also talk about other things than photography. So I've created a, a, a group of friends online so photography is like the starting point, but you develop the relationship from there to be yeah. just more of a personal thing. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's like a little, it's a community, it, beauty photography. I'll help someone and they'll help me. And it doesn't, it, it's not photographers just from like this area. It's from all over the world, from LA, New York, Scotland, and Texas. So to wrap up, well, I wanna, normally this is the point where I would talk about influences and, and things like that, but I actually kind of just want to say something myself here. Um, I've been a fan of yours for, I feel like, quite a few years. I started photography back in 2013 and I really took an interest in photographing people shortly afterwards. Um, I've always been uh, a huge admirer of beauty photographers in the sense of the patience that they have and yeah. the skill level. And I think um, the restraint as well, considering the wild over editing that some people do when you you see it done right it's it's absolutely fascinating and, and it, it's a skill in itself um your work is absolutely fantastic i don't think you appreciate how good your work is
others. And obviously, if that's what's working for you in terms of uh, not recognizing your own skill driving you forwards, then I'm fine to an extent with that. But I'd like to make sure that there's someone that's telling you, uh, so it'll be me. Uh, your work is absolutely phenomenal. I'm incredibly Thank jealous you. of your portfolio. I'm jealous of your skill set. And by the sounds of things with, with the personal situation that you're in, you sound like an absolutely amazing human being as well, which is rare to find someone with talent that's not a dick or someone that's nice that has no talent. So you have the whole package. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. What I want to make sure is that people know where they can find you um, online. So what are your social media links? Instagram, William Clark Photo. Same for Facebook and my website's just williamclarkphoto.co.uk. Brilliant. Like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've been slightly nervous about talking to you because like I say, I'm so uh, slightly envious of your work. Thank you. I'm intimidated as well by it. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. I just talked to you. What are my chances? Nothing here to fear. That feeling is useless. Stepped in fire. I couldn't get you. But how was I supposed to know? That you were a liar. And I was your baby. Nothing here to fear, that feeling is useless Stepped in fire